I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. That, of course, is Wild Coach Dean Everson talking about an ornery bugger. Ryan Hartman, I can confirm, as can um, Jesse Pierce, that that is accurate. He is an ornery bugger, to say the least. It's Judd's Hockey Show. If you don't recognize the other guy, it's because Declan Goff is off. Uh, seeing his brother in Carolina, A.J. Fredrickson, who joins us at least w- once a week ordinarily uh, on this show as well, producing and co-hosting today along with Jesse Pierce from Bar Down Beauty's fame, also covers the the wild for the nhl.com website among other endeavors uh all right jesse let's start here so the homestand started off pretty negatively what a 5-1 loss to the golden knights didn't start off well um the, the wild though comes back to win their last three they are now at 67 points which puts them five behind dallas for first place in the central division and just to be clear, because of games in hand, Colorado's still in third place. So the Wild is technically still in the last wild card spot. But they're only six behind the Golden Knights for the top seed. Um, what is your what is your current take on this team? Because it's an interesting team. It's a team that still is scuffling to score goals, but certainly the last three games have been more positive. I mean, the consistency is there in the past three games. That's the biggest thing we have said time and time again. And I hate to reiterate myself, but they would just listen. They're a defensive team. They are a shutdown defensive team. This is not the team from last year. This is not one that's going to be sexy scoring the goals. They are a team that's going to be shut down defensively. And the opponents are starting to pick up on that, too. I mean, coming in yesterday, LA Kings, Tom McLennan said, that's what he's expecting from this game. He's expecting to be 1-0, 2-1, whatever it might be, and it ends up being 2-1. So I think that's a good thing. I think they're comfortable playing in this role. I think Minnesota has noticed that they're not going to be able to put up five on an opponent. They're going to just have to rely on their defense and on Philip Gustafson, who has been tremendous. It's no coincidence that Minnesota has now won three straight, closes out the homestand for two and one uh, with Gus getting three of those starts and three straight wins. So, I mean, he's in a huge component. Uh, you know, you'd love to see a couple more goals go their way, but I think the puck's bouncing the right way for Minnesota too, which also you hate puck luck, but that's a variable to be considered as well. And that's the sport. Um, so, Question for both of you, Jesse. We'll start with you. You talk about Gus and and Dean talked about Hartman, who now has three goals in, in his past two games, um, scored actually two nice goals last night. How much of what we're seeing do you believe in? Like, I, I, like is this Gustafson sustainable? Like, he's playing unbelievable right now. But like, do you say what uh, what? Um, uh, uh, Middleton said last night, which is Hartsy's got his swagger back. 
Do you see that? Do you see Gustafson playing in a way that he can continue? Like that's where I'm that's where I'm torn because this team has been so inconsistent at times. I'm not sure how much I'm totally buying in, but just from what you've seen, how how much are you buying the positives that you're seeing? I'll start, I'll buy into the Gus positivity. Um, you know, I think he's never been given the opportunity like he has here. And when the alternative is Marc-Andre Fleury, who has just been absolutely struggling, I will ride the Gus bus as suggested for as long as we need to. I mean, he's also doing this against teams that are very high offense, very high octane scoring. I mean, LA had come in winning four straight and putting up five or more goals in those four wins. So for him to really shut them down again, credit to the defense as well, Jacob Middleton, Jared Spurgeon in particular, who were huge with block shots. But I think Gus has this cool, calm demeanor about him, whether he wins or loses, which is so strong and so solid. He has this poise and confidence. So I have a lot of faith in that. I am excited to see how long that continues. I hope Dean Ebsen continues to put Gustafson in the right situations. I'm sure they'll have to split back-to-back with Columbus and Toronto coming up, but we'll see what plays out there. I would give Gus the start in Toronto if I were Dean. Uh, On the Ryan Hartman side of thing, again, It was an anomaly to see that man score 33 goals. Now, this being said, that second goal in particular last night against the Kings was so good. It reminded you that Hartman has the capability to be a very skilled scorer. Um, Certainly, he's got his confidence back. And, you know, whether that comes with a little bit of swag, we'll see. But I think all in all, Hartman's just playing smarter hockey. I think having sat him as a healthy scratch uh, a couple games back feels like a lifetime ago now at this point really got into him. He knows that he cannot be taking those dumb penalties. So not necessarily whether Hartman's scoring or not, as long as he's just being a smart two-way player, that's what I need out of him. Naturally, he's going to be able to pick up some points being on that top line. And right now he's looking very comfortable within that top line center. So Hartman's still TBD, but give me all the positivities for Philip Gustafson. Yeah, Gustafson, I'm I'm liking a lot. When they traded for him back uh, in the offseason, it was one of those you know that he was a somewhat high draft pick, especially for a goalie with Ottawa, but they have just been for the longest time, a terrible defensive team. And they're starting to turn it around in their organization, but it's one of those, you, it's same thing when you had Talbot come here originally, or even a Dubnik um, back in the day where in Dubnik, I think in him are a little bit different cases, but it's such better defensive core in front of them to where a lot of the shots he's might, he's facing are lower threat, lower angle. So it's easier to just, you know, cast it away and, and not really think too much of it. But um, in terms of riding the hot hand, you th- I think you have to, and they've shown coaching wise, that's what they want to do. We've saw, we, we've seen instances where Cabo Kakinen was the guy that they were leaning on for, for times, whether it was injury or just because he was the, uh, the number one choice at the time. And I think they're going to probably do that again. Mark Andre Fleury is a seasoned veteran. He's a future hall of famer, but he strikes me as a guy. And I'm sure you both have a better insight than this, that his ego will not be affected by them taking him aside and saying, Hey, you've struggled recently. You know it. You've admitted it. We're going to go with this other kid who um, is not necessarily overshadowing you, but he's going to help us win games. And that's what we need to do right now, because we're in a hunt for the playoffs. Uh, we're in that final wild card spot, but as Judd mentioned, top of the show, they're not super far off one of the higher seeds either. It's a very congested middle of the pack. So um, I, I think Gustafson uh, has exceeded my expectations. I expected his numbers and play to be better than it was with Ottawa, but uh, it, he's he's showing that he can be much more than that suitable backup who is a placeholder where it was that kind of bridge to get to Jesper Wallstedt. But now you have to think, do they want to extend him how long for how much or what's the plan there moving forward? And, you know, they're juggling cap space as it is. 
What's the plan there? Um, and I think it probably happens maybe in the off season rather than, than sooner. Um, Ryan Hartman, it, I think it took him a little longer to adjust coming back from injury than a, what a lot of fans wanted, but he was out for a while. And it's, it's, it's tough to come back after that much time where you started the season, you looked okay, and then you go away, and then you come back. You're almost shaking off that preseason rust, in a sense, once again. Um, and so a lot of dumb mental, uh, mental mistakes, taking a lot of penalties. You know, he gets the healthy scratch, and he gets the message. But that's what we've seen last season. And one, one of the guys that yeah, 1.7 million cap hit, I mean, one of the best in the league for what he did last season. This season's been a little debatable, but he uh, he's turned it around. And last night, I think, is a... Nice showing of what probably most people expected once again, and hopefully what is more to come, because if he can keep that up and has that attitude back of I'm between Zuccarello and Kaprizov and he can compliment them well, good enough, maybe not what Sam Seal was doing at times where he maybe is going to overstep his his skill ability. But uh, Ryan Harmon, I think, knows the player that he is and where he compliments into that first line. To start with Hartman, I, I hope this doesn't embolden them, though, to think this still works. So like, be, because, because Bill Guerin, Dean perhaps as well. And and I'm sure that when, when Hartman's playing well, Dean loves him, but you know, the, the one thing that it strikes me that the wild does is they basically play money ball with centers, which is Kaprizov and Zuccarello are so good that we can get by going cheap between them, which I don't really like. Um, and so I think it's good. I think it's fine that Hartman is playing well right now, but I mean, I would not read a ton into this on Gustafson. I think all three of us, and especially Jesse, um, you are very hesitant to get high on goaltenders. And I agree completely because they're so up and down. We don't know. The one thing I like about Gustafson, and I don't know if it's sustainable, but I think it is from a stylistic standpoint, his style doesn't feel fluky. Like when Dubnik was going well, he would literally stand on his bleeping head. But if you go back to the bad goals or the great saves, they were all, I mean, there was just this big guy making these plays, and it's like sometimes he'd kick the puck in, and sometimes he'd make these unbelievable kick saves. Gustafson, the thing that I absolutely didn't know about and really like is the style. Like he is so squared up to the puck, and he makes it look simple because I think he plays a simple game, and that's a compliment. So, like, that's the one thing that I've been trying to think of, which is, okay, the playoffs start. He's probably, or he should start the playoffs with the way he's going. Does this style win in the playoffs? And I think if he doesn't get too outside of himself, Jesse, it could translate because, again, it doesn't feel like it's this fluky, I'm flopping around, oh, my God, I'm making great saves and now I'm not. It feels like there is a strategy to his goaltending style that actually can translate to big games without it abandoning him because things go sideways. Cue all the haters who are going to say Marc-Andre Fleury starts in the playoffs because they wanted Talbot to start last year and yada, yada. By the way, Cam Talbot wasn't that good. Anyway, Philip Gustafson, I think you nailed it on the head there, Judd. Um, It is, it's, it's a simple way in the best way possible. I mean, and again, I have, you have to give credit to the defense for allowing him to see the puck as well as he has been seeing it. I mean, some of the goals that just slip through are what they are, but you're right. They're not like Devin Dubnik where they're just these egregious ones. And, and his style is almost completely opposite of Marc-Andre Fleury. Marc-Andre Fleury has the theatrics. He has the spinny motions, the windmills, the really fun highlight reels saves where as Philip Gustafson again takes that very calm approach to the way he sees the puck the way he squares up to the puck um, and the way he makes a save there's nothing fancy about it but that 
works. That gets you by. I mean, he has just been tremendous to watch. And again, his demeanor afterward, whether it's a win or a loss, is always the same, which might say people might say is very boring. But I'll take boring. If boring gets you wins and gets you the two points that you need, absolutely I will take a boring goaltender over amazing saves. As hard as I am on goalies, as you mentioned, Judd, uh, I, I like what Philip Gustafson is is doing, and uh, he's turning me into a goalie fan as of whoa. Life. I know. I know. I can't. That's shocking to hear because you hate goaltenders. I hate goaltenders. Well, I shouldn't say hate. You despise them with a lot of. You just need to be better. Vitriol. (laughs) I think the thing about, just to use a cliche, I think the thing about Gustafson I appreciate is he plays a quiet game. And and you're right. I mean, and Flowers is going to be, as AJ said, the guy is a Hall of Fame, you know, first ballot. But, you know, he plays a game that comes from when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. you know, flashy saves. He, he makes a glove save and then holds it for a tick so that the camera can get the great shot, which is all awesome. Gustafson plays a very quiet, self-contained game, but I actually like that because it feels like that has at least, and look, he could fall apart, okay? So disclaimer here. But at <laughs> least that feels like it's a sustainable way to play. Um, so yeah, I look, he has to continue to start. Um, you know, if pride gets in, the way here of either the flower or the GM or coach, that's a problem. That Colorado game could very well come back to bite them square in the ass yet. Mm-hmm. And that was a game in which the wild dominated. Right. Like that, like that wasn't a, Oh, it's too bad. It was such a close game. That was a game in which when you are as offensively challenged, which I, I want to get to in a second as this team is, and you got a dude that gives up three goals on nine shots and like looks terrible. And I mean, that was a Gustafson start, like it should have been. Mm-hmm. Every other day, home games worked out perfect. So, uh, but let's get to that because so the play of late and the wins, and, and to your point, Jess, beating a Kings team that has been scoring a ton of goals is great. But let's talk about the offense still, okay? Because we can, we can try and get past that. But I went back and did the math. In the past 10 games, the Wild is averaging 2.1 goals per game. And if you look at the scores, you know, 2-1. to one, Oh, and that's including shootout goals that, that are counted as, as the final goal for a win, which is BS. Mm-hmm. So they are actually, when you look at 5-on-5 five five power play, the real sport, they're averaging fewer than 2.1 goals per game. They have five 5-on-5 five five goals in the last two games. Three against Nashville, two last night against the Kings. That's as many as they had in the previous seven games combined. What I want to talk about here is the potential before the March 3rd deadline, you guys, of making a trade for a goal scorer, okay? Mm-hmm. And I I am now seeing the name Patrick Kane thrown around more. I think Russo reported that it would take a second-round pick, which, you know, if that's the case, is not a really high draft pick. It's a high pick, but it's certainly a return that I think a lot of people would find palatable. How much would you help this team offensively? Just in the sense of how much do you see, how much do you think is here that the addition of a Kane would actually help you make a run? Knowing that Billy went basically dove into the deep end of the pool last year and they didn't get out of the first round with a team that had Fiala and far more firepower. So Jesse, I'll start with you. Where do you think, like, what is your appetite for this team attempting to 
add another score in thinking that that could actually help you win a playoff series or two. But do you need to go to the trade block in order to find that score? Why not dip down to find Sammy Walker? Adam Beckman, very close to getting his first NHL goal. Uh, but, you know, I know people have been clamoring for Becky. You still have Marco Rossi down there, too. I'm not in any hurry to get him up there. And, yes, I still stand by using him as trade bait if you want to. But I don't know that you necessarily have to go to the trade block. But Patrick Kane, obviously, similar to Marc-Andre Fleury, carries that weight, that name, that energizes a fan base, energizes an organization. And he can still play, no question about it. That's your number one center, if not your number two, just to spread out some of the scoring. Because to me, Judd, that's the bigger concern at the lack of scoring is it's the same guys night after night. It's always Kirill, uh, Ryan Hartman out there, Jewel Eriksnek, but you're still missing Jordan Greenway contributing. Freddie Goudreau has not scored since the beginning of January. Matt Boldy has been pretty snake bitten as of late. So, I mean, you still need those complementary scorers to start getting things going when Marcus Foligno returns, which sounds like he's very close, maybe coming up on this road trip. He needs to start chipping in again. Not that he's the primary goal scorer or Greenway either, but when you're getting two or three guys on Kaprizov every single night, somebody else has to step up and put the puck in that last night, Ryan Hartman being that guy. Uh, But to the initial question, I don't know. I'm hesitant to make any big egregious moves come trade deadline on March 3rd because this team, to me, is not a true contender. It's it's great to get to the playoffs, but if they get bounced in the first round, it's not as disappointing as it maybe has been in years past because, to me, it's not a rebuild, but it's certainly not a team that is suited to make a true cup run, so I don't know that you need to do much to shake it up to close out the year. AJ, what do you think? This is kind of what Jesse said first. I, I agree with you. This team does not feel it doesn't have that aura around them where you turn on the game and you're like they're gonna win they're gonna score however many goals and they're gonna do it in a nice fashion it's like you're you're biting nails for 60 minutes and whether they want to play for the first 20 and then they take the second period off and then it's like all right now we gotta actually try again because we let the king score with 20 seconds left and you know all of a sudden it's a game and you know why why would we ever just want a nice casual relaxing 60 minutes of hockey um Trading for somebody. Or Minnesota sports, Yes, right? that's true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just go with the whole thing. Um, trading for somebody rather than the call-up brings that, once again, just like Jesse said, it brings that energy to a club. Last year, you go out and you get Marc-Andre Fleury. Huge name. Private jet treatment. Billy G brings him in itself. That carries that, all right, we're now being backed by picks were being backed by the front office they are expecting a certain level of play and a certain level of we're going to get this far whether you want to or not you are going to get this far in the postseason and make a run calling up a guy like sammy walker or now adam beckman who looked good last night that doesn't do it for a lot of people as much as it maybe should just because it's you know it's an unknown guy Mm -hmm. he doesn't really have that track record whereas patrick kane how many guys are nicknamed showtime you know He's got the signature Selly. You can see however many iconic and it haunts uh, the wild still to this day. The like the slow roll shootout, 17 moves inside the slot and then pass Josh Harding. He's got the track record and he's got the, the repertoire. But I don't know whether Bill Guerin believes the same amount that he did last year. And I think that's what it's going to come down to, because he seems like a very straight shooter. He's not going to make a a move if he feels like they're not in position to benefit from it. He's not going to trade for trading's sake. Um, right. 
and leverage that capital because he did a great job retaining a lot when acquiring Flurry last year and not really putting them in a hole draft wise and uh, giving Judd Brackett all the tools that he kind of needed to still build for the future because they're still held so much down by the by the dead salary cap with the buyouts. But um, it does benefit if you do believe in the team to go further by trading for a guy. And it sounds like I would I would do a second round pick honestly for Patrick Kane. You know, it's it's that's less than what I anticipated. But if you have to throw in a second and a decent prospect, that would be oh, that would be towing the line for me. Um, I would like to regress and say, don't do anything. If anything, you're going to you're going to load off a couple pieces and ride it out and say you, you spin it with the angle of you prove it to me that you deserve to be backed. Let's ride this hot streak. You know, we've built whatever in, inside the building. Let's 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 just do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. And it looked too. I'm sort of jaded because this team, you know, going back to Chuck Fletcher, has gone for it. They've made deadline trades. And let's just say they haven't worked out nearly as well as planned. And so I think that there was a belief, and Jess, I'm I'm curious if you think the same thing from talking to people. I think that there was a true belief that last year a window was open and that that team had potential to make a run. And, I mean, that's why – the first round loss to the blues was so disappointing, but I also think that that belief then sort of evaporated out to a reality of, you know, the buyouts on Parisian Suter were going to come back to bite them at mm-hmm. some point in time. And they knew exactly what the price of poker was. And so I just have a hard time with a rental now, like continuing down that path. And plus, you know what? I don't know that Patrick Kane at his current, you know, not Patrick Kane in his prime, but this Patrick Kane, I don't know that putting him on a line with Boldy is like, that's it. Because right. keep in mind, Kevin Fiala is pretty damn good. The Blues shut him down and you were screwed. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you guys. Like if I'm if I'm Bill Guerin, I'm like, okay, guys, you've been very up and down. If you can make a run, that's awesome. Do it. You know, Ryan Hartman, if you want to go out there and not take five dumb penalties, um, and you want to score some goals, you are our first line guy. This is it for you. You're not going to be our first line guy next year, <laughs> but you know, but you know, I, I mean, he had to have Billy had to have another come to Jesus with Greenway mm-hmm. who immediately said, I don't really need that. Yeah, dude. Yes, you do. If I can trade Dumba, <laughs> I still would now. Mm-hmm. And, and when F- Faber, uh, when the Gophers get done, I would plug him in. But I, you know, if you want to call guys up from Iowa, I think that's fine. But, yeah, I don't know that I'm going rental, and I certainly am not going more than one. Uh, And this team is so well positioned now because, I mean, none of us are trade uh, uh, prudes as far as, you know, farm system protected at all cost. When the time is right, awesome, trade guys. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like the time is right here. Like, that's just my – and I don't think this team has shown you enough because, you know, Bill told you guys that, Jesse – at the midway point, which is the mm-hmm. team will tell me, I'm right. sorry, but the end of a seven game homestand, the last three games is not where I'm like, okay, they're talking to me now. Mm-hmm. Like that was from the moment Bill said that, right? Right. And they've been roller coasters. So I am completely with your camp, which is if you can win, awesome. Let's see what right. this team can do. If you want to call up prospects, let's see what they can do. But this isn't last year, and last year was disappointing. And I have a I have a hard time seeing a first round win again 
I might be wrong, but I just do. Yeah, I would completely agree. Like I said, I mean, if the deadline comes and goes with nothing more than a 2025 fourth round pick because you're a conduit and some sort of trade, fine, whatever. Um, I just, I think you got to play the long game. I'd rather maybe, you know, build up a couple good picks or do little minor things are fine if you're going to do anything. I just don't have the belief. And that also goes to, yes, it's good to maybe look at what Matt Dumba could yield back. If you get something great in return, awesome because then you're not giving him away for free come this summer when he walks right into free agency however i think you do have to still consider that locker room culture and aspect and we all know bill Guerin is very high on that that being said does patrick kane fit into that i don't know matt dumba is a huge part of that you saw that at i was out at his uh, camp earlier this week and about half the team showed up for him to be a part of this camp on a day off outdoor hockey when it was snowing. So I think that's something that people forget about Dumba. You can be frustrated with his play, but he is a huge piece to that team with the guys and with that mentality. So that's the other reason where it's like, I don't even need to trade Dumba at this point. I think you could keep him because that piece will at least get you to the playoffs because I'd still like to see the playoffs. I only get paid if they make the playoffs. If they don't, I'm done. So let's at least contract, get there. Jesse. I know someone needs to, I need I, to I'm looking for a new agent. Yeah. <laughs> the agent, AKA myself, not working too great. <laughs> I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, no, and you, you know what? Point on D- Dumba, well taken. You're, you're right. Like, I don't think about that stuff at times. But, yes, it might be best just to stand Pat completely um, because if he is that popular, which he, we know he definitely is, right. then, yes, that's a huge thing. Uh, I also think that the team that trades for Kane, I mean, that's a pure mercenary pickup. And and if you do that, the expect, I mean, any team that trades for Kane, I think it's like it's on for a Stanley Cup. Yeah. And if it's like, well, it's on for, we hope, hey, Patrick, we hope we can get a first round win, which is what the Wild would be saying. Look, I just don't think the timing's right. I don't think the timing's right. And and if this team can pull itself up by its bootstraps, awesome. And if it can't, that's fine, too, because I think the future is bright. Uh, but, yeah, I just I'm tired of this team at times overstepping its balance. And again, I don't think three games tells you a ton. Yeah. They're still not scoring goals. They're no. still not scoring goals. Well, and Kane in a wild jersey just gives me an icky feeling. Like there, his Wikipedia, the Wikipedia page said he was owner of the Minnesota Wild for quite a long time because he owned the Minnesota Wild quite literally every time he played them. So that just mm, it was the stanchion, it. damn it, <laughs> at the X. The stanchion's what screwed him. I mean, that was completely unfair in your building, in your own building, not even in United Center. It happened in your building. What a bunch of crap. All right, last thing, you guys. 
Um, Athletic reported today, I believe, the story came out from Joe Smith, that the Wild, that um, the agent for Brock Besser with the Canucks, Ben Hankinson of Edina and Golfer fame, um, is has been given permission by the Canucks to talk to Bill Guerin in the Wild about trying to work out something for his client to return home. Now, Besser, uh, let's see, I've got it right here, has two years left on his contract at a $6.65 million AAV. Um, I was told a couple of weeks ago that that contract, like the Wild likes him, but it's just a non-starter. So I don't know, and I don't know what the Player Association allows you to do with current contracts. Um, I don't think that you can change them for sure. And so like the Canucks would have to absorb payroll into next year for this to work, which would mean that the Wild would probably have to give up a lot. Long story short, Jesse, what is your interest in Besser? Because I will say this, if it's not a rental, I at least am more open-minded to it than Mm -hmm. a rental. Uh, But this sounds like it would probably be too high a price because of the fact that Canucks would have to hang on to sell. Yeah, they'd have to retain a bunch of his salary because Minnesota, frankly, can't afford it. I mean, that's just how it goes. That's why they got rid of Kevin Fiala. You can't afford it. That's why they'll probably get rid of Dumba. Can't afford it. It's just a simple money in, money out situation right now. And I don't think Vancouver would take that on. They're paying two coaches, three coaches at least, a salary right now in addition to any of these players that they're trying to move as well. My guy, Bruce. They're paying him off. Bruce, there's your check. And Travis Green. I think they're still paying Travis Green, too. So uh, they're kind of a hot mess out there. And I I do think Brock Besser has struggled the past couple years, and I think so much of that is family-induced. And there's injuries. He's battled injuries, too, for for a young age and a young career. He's had quite a few uh, setbacks with those. But I do think if he were to come to Minnesota, it would put him in a good spot mentally. And I think it would maybe reignite something. But bottom line, can't afford it. I it's Ben. I love Ben Hankinson. It's an agent doing agent speak, right? Getting the pot stirred, getting the conversation going. Uh, I don't see it happening. I would love to, but just probably not right now. AJ, what do you think? A lot of the same stuff. I mean, I, I don't like betting on somebody like moving geographically to like reignite their game. I do think it would probably do a, a good amount of help in a sense here with Brock Besser, just with everything he's gone through and dealt with and the type of player that I hear he is and type of person I hear he is. Um, yeah. The money just doesn't make sense. You know, there's only a finite amount that they can work with and it's just not feasible unless you cut, you know, you, you're cutting weight somewhere else. And I don't think I'd want them to gamble on Besser if it means losing you know, a different person and what it is, you know, maybe there's a lot of hypotheticals that are attractive, but it would take a lot of, you know, puzzle piecing jigsawing together to get to that point to where I'd feel comfortable actually doing it with the money working out. This strikes me. uh, If it were to take place as a summertime thing, Mm -hmm. like it strikes me as uh, because first of all, the price that you, you would have to give up more uh, prospect wise to get them to retain like this, this Besser intrigues me. Besser and Boldy on the same line intrigue me. Mm. Um, but I don't think it's a deadline thing. I think it's a summertime thing. And at that point in time, I'm not saying it gets done. I just think that if if the Canucks say, "Hey, Ben, feel free to talk to Bill," that that is probably more of a draft time deal sure. and conversation. Uh, I lied. Last thing, really. How fun are the Kings to watch? So good. Oh my God. Yeah. The speed. What happened there? 
They just they, they were, finally got rid of Dustin Brown, moved in on some young kids. Like, tired Hope tired, yeah. Like, he's got a statue. Ago. He got a Dustin, whole statue outside. Little guy. He was just a small little guy, too. He's a real little guy. <laughs> I, I saw him once. He he was hurt late in, in his career and walked into the X in front of me. And, I mean, this guy was known as an SOB, right? Like yeah. a cheap chat guy. It's like, you're really small. You're just a little guy. You're a good hockey player, though. But, man, are they fast. Yeah, they've they've got a good thing going. There's no surprise why they're at top of their division right now. I mean, Kevin Fiala is a huge part of that. And I think people want to, in Minnesota want to be agitated. Like, you knew he was going to be good there. You knew he was going to succeed there without question. Again, it's not that the Wild were like, ah, we don't want Fiala. He's not good enough. We don't want to pay him that money. They can't pay him. Like, I don't know why people have such a hard time understanding that. It wasn't like we don't want Kevin Fiala anymore. It was we can't afford you. Good luck, buddy. You'll go get your money elsewhere. And he's doing that in LA. And he's been a, a huge part of that. Anze Kopitar still has it, which is awesome. Adrian Kempe. Uh, and shout out to yeah. Minnesota's own Mikey Anderson as well. He got paid, but he's doing some really good things on the blue line. Has been for a p- couple seasons too. The Fiala thing that in- intrigues me is this. Um, and you're right. Like he had to be dealt. Unfortunate, but just the reality of the situation. The only thing that bugged me about that whole thing and what's weird is these guys were close. How annoyed Dean got with him at times mm-hmm. when he, the guy's a star player. Right. It's like, Dean, I know you want everyone to be responsible defensively, and I totally get that. And look, you know, I, I do. I really get that. But that is such a, a a coaching style from my youth, like in the 80s, right? If you're not going to be a two-way player, you know, you're not going to play. Okay, that's cool, but this guy can score goals at will at times. I mean, last night he was phenomenal, and I'm mm-hmm. I know that's him because he's ticked off and trying to show uh, the, the wild something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, uh, you know, and I, I said this with uh, with Dex just a couple of days ago. The one thing about Dean that scares me is they've got a lot of young kids coming up. Okay, a lot of young kids, and some of them are going to be. I know you're shocked by this. Immature. On and off the ice. And they're not going to necessarily do their jobs correctly, but that does not mean they're not talented, okay? And, like, you got to wade through that as a coach now and develop them as best you can. And this whole thing right now with Kalen Addison is driving me crazy because it's like four games, and I know he's – it sounds like he's not thrilled about it, and, you know, he's made some comments to the press, and I'm sure Billy and Dean don't like that. Uh, but you're going to have more guys like this very soon coming up. who are going to be instrumental to your team. And if you're going to like, okay, that's it. You're scratched. You're, you know, you're not going to play. That only goes so far. And then you just get tuned out. And so like that, that is, that was the Fiala tipping point for me. That concerned me was Kevin Fiala had talent that the majority of that roster didn't have. And that sure as hell Dean didn't have as a player. So, yeah, he screwed up at times, but that doesn't mean like he sat him for huge parts of periods. Right. It's like, no, Dean, that's not how that's not how we're going to do things here. We're going to develop guys. Anyway, that's my rant on Dean at times. I like the guy personally. Seems like a very nice guy, but that drives me crazy. You mind if I ask you guys something real quick just on your take? Um, I don't know. And just because they played him last night, has Kevin Fiala been less streaky or is it just the like the bigger market coverage of him. Cause I, I haven't seen anything of like, Hey, he shut off for a week, similar to what he did with the wild at times. But then, you know, now we're back to the 14 game burner where he's just boom, boom, boom. He's on fire. 
Like he looked really good last night. It seems like every time I see anything about the Kings, he's somehow mentioned by either, you know, a power play assist or a flashy goal or something along those lines. It, it seems to me like he's been a little bit more of a consistent guy since moving out to LA. Talk to me in the playoffs. Let's see what happens. Uh, that's there, a really good, point. really good point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He can disappear there. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. really right. Like I think well, Kevin Fiel, you're, you're probably right. I think he's probably found a little bit more consistency with his line mates. And again, I think he's given that, given that opportunity from McClellan out there too. Like, like Chud said, Dean and Kevin, I think, butted heads probably more than, than most of us realized at times. Uh, no, but I think I'm curious to see if he continues this in the playoffs, then you're in trouble. Like then the Kings yeah. are a legit thing. I just you we've been jaded by Kevin Fiala, playoff Kevin Fiala a time mm-hmm. or two. So we know he can have a great regular season. He just ghosts everybody. Uh, doesn't call back, doesn't write any of that uh, come <laughs> April and May. It looks like he had four goals in the month of November. Um, the one hmm. thing to be cautious about age on the Kings, nobody cares out there. Yeah. So, true. like, you don't read a lot. Like, they're not covered. It's not like they're – it's not like here. Yeah. Um, which makes it great because you can go to, to the beach, play golf, and disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think Fiala – I think the coverage of him here or, you know, just say he was in Toronto, Montreal, mm-hmm. would mm-hmm. be every day. Um, his disappearing acts won't be covered as much. It's just like, okay. oh, and then the totality of the stats is good because to your point, he goes on these burners where it's like, oh my God, you can't stop the guy. So, okay. Didn't LeBron throw shade at the Kings? Forget about the Kings the other day. He, uh, he thought they were the Knights. He <laughs> thought they, or no, 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 I'm sorry. He thought, he thought they it was the play. Vegas he... Kings. He thought it was the Vegas Kings. And then he goes, been. it's the Kings. And they're like, no, it's the Golden Knights. And he goes, oh, that's right. The Kings are in Los Angeles, right? <laughs> and then, and then, and then to make it worse, he goes, "Well, there's two Kings in Los Angeles." Oh Jesus! Oh my God! So he had to pat himself on the back after not knowing. <laughs> but here's the really weird thing: he's involved with the with the Finway Sports Corp group that owns the Penguins. Nice. So LeBron has a stake in a National Hockey League team <laughs> and doesn't know the team for the National Hockey League. I'm not talking in Canada. I'm talking that plays in the building in which he plays <laughs> cryptocurrency or whatever the hell it's called now. What a beauty. Uh, anyway. All right, Jesse, thanks much. We'll talk to you next week. Um, Age, great job. We'll talk to you in a couple of days as well. Judd's Hockey Show. And, of course, catch Jesse Pierce on Bar Down Beauties as well, where she'll be talking plenty of puck. And you talked to Basil McRae real quick, plug. Oh, I just got off. Yep, okay, he was fantastic. Sorry. We're going grabbing beers this weekend, Judd, if you want to come. Uh, it's going to be great. He's, he's just so good. He's, it's so funny. He is such like a family first type of guy. Like he had talked about, he just kind of fell into this assistant GM still talks with all of his old buddies, but like he opted not to be at the stadium series alumni game to go watch his daughter play one of her final senior hockey games. And he was like, I was missing out so bad. Like just, yeah, for a rough and tough guy that he was, he's just, just a sweetheart. The teddy bear. So when, when's that, that going to debut? That'll debut on Monday. Awesome stuff. All right, you guys, talk to you soon. Bye.